Gotcha. Okay. So um, y'all heard my name is Karen Beck, and I am married to Randy, yes, the one who posts particularly insightful and well-researched GOL posts. <laughs> and I let him write that part. We have two married daughters and three grandchildren who live in Colorado Springs, and I'm an avid backyard bird watcher, a retired seamstress, and a gardener. And yes, you're going to hear a little about, about all three of those right, um, today. So hummingbirds are my favorite species of birds. I have a feeder right outside the window to my backyard where I can sit and watch the hummers come and feed. Sometimes they will land on the feeder, but often they will feed while their wings are going faster than I can even see. Here are some facts about hummingbirds that I find interesting. They are the smallest migrating bird and can travel up to 500 miles at a time. They have no sense of smell, but they have good color vision. They drink nectar by moving their tongues in and out about three times per second. They consume up to double their weight a day. I wish I could do that and look like a hummingbird. <laughs> I really do. Most hummingbirds flap their wings between 50 and 80 times per second. That's a lot of motion. Now you're probably wondering why about hummingbirds. Did I drop out? <laughs> the reason is because they remind me about my walk with the Lord. I watch their little wings go so fast and how constantly they consume nectar and sugar water every day. And it reminds me that just as they feed continuously to maintain the, their movement and life, I need to feed on the word of God so that I may live and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. When I read and reread Colossians 1, I meditated on it, what, and what kept coming to my mind was the phrase, walk worthy. What does that mean? You know, the five W's and the H questions we're supposed to ask ourselves. What, who, when, where, why, and how. I'll be sharing about what I learned about walking worthy as I studied this, and I'll spend most of our time on the how, but the others are important too. The what is the subject we're investigating. According to Colossians 1.10, we are to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The second question is who. That's a pretty easy one too. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, We exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Each one of us who have been called into the kingdom of God have been qualified through the finished work of Christ to walk worthy. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're all at different stages of walking. Some are just starting out. Some have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And others' walk is drawing to an end here on earth. But all of us are to be progressing on a path of sanctification. So when and where are we to walk worthy? They kind of blend into one answer, so I'm going to combine them. We all know that sometimes our Christian walk is easy, and sometimes it's very difficult. In verse 11, we read that we are being strengthened for endurance and patience. Endurance is for difficult circumstances that we must walk through. You know, job loss, health issues, the death of a loved one, adjusting to an empty nest. You get the idea. It's the ability to pass through any experience and trust God, knowing that God works all things for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And that was Romans 8.28. 
But patience deals with difficult people, a difficult coworker or neighbor, raising children, caring for aging parents, are some examples that come to mind. It's the capacity to be long-suffering with people and to not retaliate when we are wronged or irritated. Luke 6.35 says, Love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We need to be patient, just as our God in heaven is patient with us, difficult people. Ease or difficulties of life are both times when we are to walk worthy. Truthfully, they both have their challenges for me. When life is easy for me, I can get complacent about my walk. And when times are difficult, it drives me to the Lord. And even though the walk is more painful, it is more meaningful and sanctifying. The question that I have to ask myself during those times is, am I walking worthy of the Lord in the hope that he gives me? Or am I being self-focused and walking in my own self-pity and hopelessness? Many times I hate to say that I default to the latter. Paul gave us a large list of things that he walked through in a worthy manner, which include persecution and afflictions, and some of these ways that he did that are listed in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 12. I'm going to do a little condensed version of that, but it's still kind of long. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. So we too are called to walk worthy in every situation in our lives. So now we're going to go on to the why. I told you that I was a retired seamstress. I learned to sew when I was 12 years old, and I always enjoyed it. I sewed my own clothes, my daughter's clothes, and made quilts and things for our home. So for 20 years, I turned that into a home business. About a year and a half ago, I decided to retire, and to my surprise, in that year and a half, I have not been in my sewing room but a half a dozen times to mend some socks or sew up a seam. I found that doing sewing out of obligation has killed my love for sewing, and I'm hoping that's a temporary thing. So why should I want to walk worthy? Is it out of obligation and duty? Is it out of wanting the praises of others about how good a Christian I am? If those are my reasons, then it is no surprise that I would not have a love of God's word and a desire to know him better. But if it's out of love and a thankfulness to the Lord for what he has done for me, then I will be excited to know him and his word so that I can walk worthy. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 to 12 said, To this end we always pray for you, 
that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of fruit of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Kent Hughes said in his commentary that in light of our reconciliation, we ought to do everything in our power to be, particular, to be practically blameless and holy in this life. Practical holiness should be our life. It should be out of a desire to please God and glorify him, and it should be from a heart of love and devotion that makes all the difference in the world. So now we're on to the how do we walk worthy. Paul prayed in verses 9 through 11 that believers would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So I'll expound on four of the ways that I saw how we can walk worthy of the Lord, but there are many more. The first way is through knowledge, and knowledge leads to bearing fruit. The false teachers that Paul was warning about in Colossians emphasized human knowledge. They missed God's wisdom, focusing on human philosophy. They didn't understand that God and their attempt to combine different religious viewpoints, they lost sight of Christ. The Holman commentary gave a great description of false teaching. He said, quote, False teaching is much like the Cyrene in Greek mythology, a Greek creature half bird and half woman who lured sailors to destruction by her song. Their beautiful, melodious song, chanting, I keep going out, were so enchanting that passing sailors strayed from their charted course and crashed their ships into the rocky shoreline. It is purposely made to sound sweet. It's enticing, it's alluring, and it's deceptive and it's terribly dangerous. We should be so captivated by the sweet sounds of the truth that the siren songs of heresy is easily ignored. Becoming thoroughly acquainted with God's word and knowing the truth about the power of the gospel and the person of Christ is the believer's best defense against deception and heresy. And where do we find the knowledge of God's will? You know, it's found in God's word, but it is not just for our information. It is for our transformation into the likeness of Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. A deep, true knowledge of the will of God leads to fruits of obedience, changed lives, and right living. It strengthens us so we are not pulled away from the faith and our witness to the world. And it gives us good spiritual vision, just like the hummingbird has good vision to know where to get its food. The knowledge of God's will requires spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the comprehension of the truth. It is not just a head knowledge of the truth, while understanding is being able to apply that truth. Wisdom and spiritual understanding is the ability to acquire and organize principles from Scripture and apply those principles to daily living. So I want to read Proverbs 1 to you. I want you all to close your eyes and hear with your hearts what he says about wisdom and understanding and their benefits. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, 
knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You can open your eyes now. The more we know the scriptures with our hearts, the more we can bring our lives into conformity with what pleases him, and the more we want to serve him and vice versa. Ephesians 4, 13 to 14 says that the lack of this knowledge produces children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The second way we're able to walk worthy according to verse 11 is that we're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Because God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, that's verses 13 and 14, we can be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Walking worthy is not something that we as believers have to do under our own power. In fact, we're not able to do it on our own. Because of his power, the Holy Spirit, we are strengthened. We have a continuous supply for steadfastness. Steadfastness enables us to hold our position in the battles. We can stand, endure, persevere, stay at it, never give up in our circumstances. That is walking worthy. According to Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. A third way to walk worthy is found in verse 12, it's giving thanks to the Father. We give him thanks because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving him thanks keeps our perspective that he is the giver of all that we have. Salvation, home, family, talents, gifts, and the list goes on. It points us and others to God instead of to our own self-sufficiency. So let's do a recap of the hows so far. We've seen that we can walk worthy by knowing God's word, by being strengthened by his Holy Spirit, and by giving thanks to the Father. I did the same thing last night. The last way that I'm gonna expound on is according to verse 23, to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. That is persistence and perseverance. Last week, I came away with three applications from Janine's introductions to Colossians and Philemon's. The first was that we need to remain in fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. She also said we need to dig into the word and let it transform our lives. Romans 2, 2.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the last one she said was we needed to finish well. 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Those are great reminders for us to keep in mind and to put into practice on a daily basis. Fellowship, 
dig in, and finish well. There are many more ways to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, but I don't have time to elaborate on them, so I'm just going to list some of them. Philippians 1, 27-28b says, Stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-5 says, Your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. For your steadfastness and faith in all your persecution and in the afflictions that you are enduring. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our hearts are to focus on him in love. Our wills are to take their practice and pattern from him. And we must fill our lives every day from him. So at the beginning, I told you that one of my hobbies was gardening. I know that there are some here who don't like to garden, but I'm sure that we can all appreciate a well-kept garden. I love to be out in my garden planting, watering, brainstorming new ideas, much to my husband's exasperation, reaping the fruits of my labor, and yes, weeding, though that's something that I don't look forward to. I try to be out there often enough to keep things under control, but inevitably I don't get out there to take care of weeds as often as I need to. I had a picture to show you of my garden, but it was a little too difficult to show you, so you're going to have to use your imaginations one more time. So close your eyes one more time, and imagine, if you will, my flower bed with Mexican petunia shrubs in it, or some other shrub that you recognize. Now picture grass and weeds that have taken over that flower bed where the shrubs are. But someone who doesn't know my garden has come and mowed the weeds and grass down so that from a distance it looks like a nice manicured lawn around those shrubs. All right, you can open your eyes now. It looks neat because the weeds were mowed down. But when you look closer, the truth of the matter is that my Mexican petunias were invaded by weeds that stealthily took over and wrapped themselves around the stalks and roots of the shrub. In order to get them out, it was a painstakingly difficult task to remove their roots and runners that were entangled with the plants that were supposed to be there. That's a picture to me and I hope to you also of false teaching. We have to know what his word says, just like I have to know what is supposed to be in my garden. The more familiar I am with my garden, the easier it is to see what doesn't belong and remove it quickly. In the same way, if we don't stay in the word and learn what the truth of God's word says, it's easier for teaching to creep in. But if we know God's word, to false doctrine and teach quickly before it's entangled with the truth, and it's harder to tell the difference. Gardening takes diligence, and hummingbirds are diligent creatures. We need to be diligent about knowing God's truth so we are more equipped to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. When I was studying to teach this lesson, Dr. Young in one of his Sunday morning messages said, truth is like a garden. It must be tended or the weeds will overtake it. So I put these application questions to you. How do you tend your walk with the Lord? Is it done with diligence or is it neglected? Is it out of a sense of duty and obligation, or is it out of love and thankfulness? 
How you answer those questions are of great importance to whether you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord or not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would um, give each one of us your Holy Spirit each day, Lord, that we can walk worthy in a manner that would be glorifying and pleasing to you and that would be edifying to those around us, that we would be able to witness to those around us and lead them to you and your love for us and your excellence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.